Life is fun, but it can't all be fun, John. It cannot all be fun. It can't all be sunshine and rainbows. So yeah, I mean, let's like let's just dive. Let's do yeah, straight let's do. in because let's there's do. there's a lot to cover. I don't even know if it's even worth like covering or detailing all of it. I feel like it's just more no. like let's just reflect on our feelings and our emotions coming out of a wild yeah. uh, rodeo of a yeah yeah of a Formula yeah. One weekend in uh, in Austin um sprint weekend yeah yep so oh, wait we lots gotta, of we gotta we got intro the pot we gotta intro the podcast before we do what podcast were you talking about this is the the this is the f1 I'm sorry, i thought this was our weekly conference call no no it's 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 yeah yeah it's the uh, weekly conference call we've been yeah right. yeah yeah, yeah. Right. okay <laughs> oh man there we go yeah yeah, yeah. Whole oh, I know. Time. egg on your face Welcome to the F1 Files, folks. This is our Formula One podcast. We are a couple of best friends who have loved this sport forever and will continue to love it despite its lack of love for us. I am one of the hosts. I am Corey Willis. I am a writer, actor, improviser out here in Los Angeles, California. And this is John Lepore, creative consultant designing the future for film, technology, and automotive. Um, all right. Austin Grand Prix weekend. It was uh, a vibe. Spring- it was a it vibe. It was definitely a gone. vibe. Uh, all right. Ugh. Sprint weekend. Lots of stuff going on. Lots of like American shenanigans and like, you know, who are yeah. the cool celebrities that are hanging out this week and all of that nonsense. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, here's my biggest. All right. So it still makes me crazy forgetting yeah. every time that there's a sprint weekend that race yeah. qualifying is now happening on Friday. Like it still feels so premature, but yep. so it was, yep. and it was kind of a beautiful thing because mm. Max Verstappen, uh, got himself a track limit penalty yep. that sent him back to what fifth or sixth, sixth on the grid where he ended up on the grid. Yeah. Yeah. And put, uh, Charles Leclerc, Mm. qualifying on pole position beautiful Mm -hmm. exciting i mean also like super ominous for anybody that's tuned into any previous episode of uh f1 the ferrari tragedy but yeah i mean i mean truly how how were you feeling uh after qualifying uh i was feeling pretty excited well first of all there were uh, a couple of things that made me excited for qualifying and made me excited for the weekend uh one was the most important thing which we saw the most direct result of uh with our boy lewis uh we had a mm. huge floor upgrade there uh with the mercedes and uh i was very excited to see what lewis looked like because everyone was kind of buzzing about how this like upgrade was like this is the start this is the start of what we will see with Mercedes return to form. So really excited for that. Did you say, did you say it was a floor upgrade? I didn't realize that the upgrade was floor centric. Yeah. yeah. It was. Well, all... I guess we should talk about that a little more later. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll get into that. What um, the f- yeah. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. Uh, it's been, mm. it's, Ooh, oh boy, are we going to talk about that? Um, so 
we we had a floor upgrade with the Merc, which saw uh, Lewis doing much better and kind of looked like it wasn't working that well for George, which, yeah, oh well. Um, uh, and then <laughs> we also had uh, an upgrade to the Haas, uh, which was, uh, this was like a huge thing. Gunther Steiner was talking about it for weeks about the fact that, hey, yeah, this is an upgrade that will like hopefully bring us on par with some of the other midfield runners. Uh, we're going to be following the Red Bull design. If this if this design doesn't work, we've kind of ruined not just the rest of this year, which like eh, either way, they're not doing great, but it could have potentially ruined next year for them too. So this was like a huge upgrade for Haas. Uh, mm. And it saw some pretty decent results early on in qualifying. Um, did you notice anything out of, out of that at all, Johnny? Or did you hear anything? Um, there was nothing that really popped out to me other than the, yeah. you know, the, the, the sort of like headline factors in there. And just, you know, I'm always just excited to be watching uh, Circuit of the Americas. It's an awesome, yeah. awesome venue. Love, yeah. love seeing, seeing cars on track there. Yeah. And I love that they went in. There were like some behind the scenes stuff where people were talking about how it's like basically it was drawn on the back of a napkin uh by the 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 guy who designs by Tilka, yeah yeah uh and like that they basically just like frankensteined a whole bunch of other circuits into this uh into yep. this layout and found the perfect piece of land uh in like the perfect city in Texas like it's just this is like a storybook uh not ending but like a storybook like 10-year anniversary for Circuit of the Americas. Um, F1 is bigger than it's ever been in America. Uh, it is more popular. They saw over 400,000 people again this weekend uh, across all the, the days. Uh, and John, I know when, when this first happened, both of us were like chomping down on our nails, being like, oh boy, this could tank F1 in the US if the circuit of the Americas does not do a good job. Like it really, yeah. F1 has never had a permanent home in the U S and this was the first attempt at it. Um, not never, but Watkins Glen was the only former permanent home purpose built track for F1, not exclusively, but that was the home of F1 in the U S and it, for our whole lives, it's been gone, John, pretty much since we yeah. were like single digits. So, Huge, huge. Um, so I'm I'm trying to find out also if um, I want to see what what news there is on ticket sales. While I was out there uh, mm -hmm. last week, <clears throat> I had heard from some locals that like, oh, yeah, it is far from sold out. It's yeah. actually and they're like drastically slashing prices, which is, you know, part of this sort of like. Uh, mm -hmm. Verstappen recession um, with Formula One, mm -hmm. but also I think is a sign around everybody's gotten super greedy and they've been jacking the prices through the roof yeah. for uh, Formula One tickets. Um, and, and my understanding is that there's actually still uh, prices are now starting to tumble on Vegas and that yeah. there's a decent number of tickets that are still available 
there. I mean, they may be tumbling from like $15,000 to $7,000, but, uh, yeah, yeah. But that's still a pretty huge, uh, slashing of the rate. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, on Friday watching qualifying, uh, I know that the grandstands are like set back from the start finish straight. Uh, mm-hmm. and like the majority of the grandstands are kind of like a little bit further down track. Like they don't start right at the, the, yeah, you know, at the start, the start finish, finish line. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a departure from the norm where you would get like a crowd really reacting. Uh, but they did the thing where they were, they had like a cameraman who like panned basically like accidentally panned down the start finish straight while they were doing the post qualifying interviews. Right. And it was just like, Oh, those grandstands are more or less empty. Like they were like 25% full, um, which is wild for that because it's qualifying. That's like the most, other than the grand prix itself, John, you know, like it's the most important. No, that's rough session that's yeah so yeah a lot of a lot of misses this week on the sprint um a lot of stuff surrounding it so sprint race itself Mm -hmm. um not that thrilling um it felt i was kind of surprised by this all right there's there's some like i think there's some weird stuff going on with sky sports like there's something with the commentators like there was there was two things that really caught my eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the sprint race, they kept on mentioning what a boring sprint race it was. Like, yeah, which they which they've never really like. They're always you know they're they're always advocating for the sport and like mm-hmm. they were like very straightforwardly like just being like oh, this. I mean, clearly this is not the most exciting. It's like a bit processional. Yeah, we love these sprint races. I mean, except for this one. And yeah, I don't know know if that's. I don't know if that's just like a little bit of like people starting to get a little irked or fed up with the Americanization of Formula One, which is not hard to imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, But that that caught my eye. Now, there's another thing that struck me particularly on race day. And I was watching like all the pre-race stuff and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin Brundle walked past on the grid, whoever it was, I forget the gentleman's name who leads the scrutineering initiative. Joe and Bauer, he, I believe Joe okay. Bauer with the FIA. And yeah. he pointed him out. He went to like talk to him for a second and was like, no, no, of course I understand Joe Bauer. You're unbelievably busy. And then he like for about 20 seconds went on to be like Joe Bauer, the most critical, you know, piece of infrastructure to the sport as a whole. You can't understand how important his job and his role is and how seriously he takes it and how dedicated he is and how like knowledgeable and insightful, like, you know, what a solid guy. And there was at least one other time during the race where it just casually came up like, and then, you know, scrutineering will always have to, you know, as we get to the close of the race, the scrutineering will have to take a look. And it made me wonder if there was already some like, you know, under the radar murmurs of like, 
hey, the scrutineering folks are getting a little concerned about some stuff going on with Mercedes Mm -hmm. and Ferrari. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like they're probably going to, you know, they're, they're going to, go through the security gate and get that special like, Hey, actually, can you head over to this lane? We're just deciding yeah. to, uh, just have a, a couple it's, of it's a random, just, just a random, you know, a mm-hmm. random screening, but we want to mm-hmm. do a little random screening with you. And like, it made me wonder. And also, you know, of course, if, if there was any inkling that like, Hey, there might be something up with the Mercedes and or the Ferrari and then yeah. seeing how the race is going, I can almost understand you know, the broadcasters yeah. wanting to like get out ahead of it and just be like, okay, remember folks, like we are still going to have to count the mail in ballots, you know, yeah. like we're don't, yep. don't assume everything is exactly as it seems right here now and try and like, you know, just sort of settle because I have to say if things, well, all right, I'm getting, I'm getting ahead yeah. of myself, but yeah, yeah. sprint race so hard not whatever. to get there. Yeah. Oh, uh, nothing, nothing too epic or dramatic no. there. Um, Not that I couldn't, you know. I mean, I, I took note. This was one of those where I like was starting to take notes and then just kind of was like, oh, oh, there's nothing happening. I don't really care about yeah the sprint. I mean, the most most uh, I think like the most exciting thing that was happening in there was like. Hamilton referencing Verstappen going off at track limits and like the fact that he was like in the yeah. pursuit and like that it, it was just radio communications really um oh there was one thing one thing that I thought was interesting yeah. one tiny little snippet a communication was when uh Bono and Hamilton were like going back and forth with trying to wind in Verstappen towards the end of the sprint race and uh, Bono basically was like, oh, you need to, like, change your strat mode and do a little bit of lift and coast, which, like, mm-hmm. normally when you hear someone going, like, lift and coast, it's like, oh, there's, like, a brake issue or there's, like, a fuel-saving issue. But ultimately, it was, like, truly about efficiency. And I just thought that that was really cool to hear the back and forth between Bono and Hamilton and, like, yep. H- Hamilton being, like, what like what do I do here? I can't catch him. And then Bono giving him a fix, and then like within the next lap, seeing him like gain almost half a second over the course of the lap, and like wind Max in really aggressively. I was like, oh, that was really cool to hear like the technical side of like an engineer working with a driver with in car settings and like actually doing yep. better work. So that that was cool. That's kind of all I got from the sprint race, though, was like uh, there was there was one other Mercedes radio message that I think you had shared with me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which was after the race was over. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. And it was Bono uh, like Hamilton being like, uh, uh, like, oh, we, we're, we're good. Everything's good. Right. Uh, and. Like Bono being like, yeah, it's nice that we actually have a car that we can work with. And it was like, ooh, this sounds like they are building a platform. Not for the rest of the season, but they are fully going, hey, you know the thing we thought was going to work? Well, it actually works, guys. Um, Yeah, there was just like a little – it was like almost like the – like if you could put like the – the 
little devil emoji that's like smiling. Um, like yeah. that would be the emoji that you put after Bono's uh, response, just being like, <laughs> yeah, buddy, I think we got something here. So that was, I loved that. I love that. Um, yeah, to me, that was super confidence inspiring. And I think everything that we've seen, uh, mm-hmm. you know, during over the course of the weekend and particularly during the race, it does seem like Mercedes is coming into mm-hmm. their groove. Yep. They're back at it. Back at it. So. Hmm. Sort of. L- all right, so Mercedes, before we get into the post-race shenanigans, Lewis and Mercedes got second place. They were within reach of getting mm-hmm. first place for the race. Yeah. It was looking incredibly possible. For yeah. me, that made the race absolutely thrilling. The race the race itself wasn't the most dramatic race, but no. to me it was like a like taut, psychological thriller where like I, I, and I just found myself like I, for the first time in a long time, I'm watching the timing stack and I just was like adding up the intervals, you know, as, as Hamilton was like three or four car cars behind max, just like adding that up and being like, Oh, it's about seven seconds. Oh, now it's about six seconds. Now it's cumulatively down to five seconds and yeah. whatnot. And just like was thrilled to see him mm-hmm. reeling in Max. And I think everybody was of the same sort of opinion of like, if there was like five more laps, maybe even just two more laps. I'd say two more laps. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even one. Maybe even Ma- one. Maybe even maybe one even more lap. Yeah. Yeah. Because Max could have been done. Because especially at the, at the end, yeah. Lewis was taking bigger and bigger bites out of him. You could tell he was in the zone. And there was, of course, this beautiful, beautiful uh, thing where Max was having some issues with his brakes and was getting absolutely infuriated by anyone talking to him while in Mm -hmm. the brake zones because he was working so hard to manage the brakes. It was like continually screaming over the radio. Like I said, don't talk to me when I'm in the breaking. And I, I, I love that. That's yeah. my, that's my love language right there. That's it uh, was, it was great. There was also a moment where I think Brundle said it on the broadcast where he was, or maybe it was crafty where it was like, Oh yeah. Um, when, when uh, a mechanic says that, then like the only like we all know that the engineers are like either muttering under their breath or they're like they used to just say it back on the radio because the radios weren't like broadcast um but it would be like drivers would be like don't talk to me in the corners and the engineers would be like okay don't talk to me in the straights okay don't tell like if (laughs) if if you don't want an answer yep then don't ask a question because like you ask a question, I'm going to give you an answer as quick as possible. And that's usually by the end yep. of the straightaway. So like yeah. you're going to get an answer or else you're not going to get an answer until the next lap. And then we've blown a lap time. So it was like, a, yep. there was some beautiful back and forth. Um, uh, Max, like screaming about how terrible the brakes were uh, compared to yesterday. Like, I love that there was like a little qualifier yeah. in there too, um, which I've never heard Max do where he usually just like speaks in broad sweeping statements and doesn't 
feel the need to qualify what he was talking about specifically. Yeah. So he was like, these breaks are compared to yesterday. <laughs> it's like, mm, yeah, yeah. Surprisingly thoughtful, I'll, I'll say. Yeah, um, yeah, given, yeah. Given what we've come to expect from him. Shockingly um, thoughtful. Shockingly. Not yeah. surprised. Like, yeah. shocking. I was enough for us to be talking about the fact that he yes. <laughs> said something specific. Yeah. Uh, God, so good. So good. Um, there was also a moment towards the end of the race where that where GP was giving Max updates on Hamilton's pace. And yes, that like you could feel, I don't know what was going on, but like you could feel Max, like really not wanting to know what Lewis's pace was just being like, I can't focus on anyone else's pace, but not just like anyone else's pace, but Lewis's pace specifically. This is probably some like, uh, recurring nightmares that he had uh pre pre 2021 uh just being yep. like oh lewis is carving out a lead that i made for myself through strategy and there's nothing i can do about it um lovely Simply so lovely. let me take a moment to mm-hmm. temper my yeah. Yeah. enthusiasm yeah. here because to me this is this is beautiful this yeah. to me feels very much like it's happening. Mercedes oh. is coming back. Mm-hmm. Lewis is falling right back into form. Mm-hmm. Everything is going the the best it possibly could in regards to that. Yeah. Last year, as the season ended, and as you know, Red Bull walked away with the championship last season. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, naturally turned all of their attention towards next year's development and whatnot. Yeah. That was where Mercedes also closed a gap and even got a race win. Mm-hmm. George Russell was able to to win one of the final races of the season. Yeah. Is this potentially the same sort of trajectory? Is there going to be a degree to which like Mercedes catches up when there's two and a half races left? Yeah. And then we begin a new season and Red Bull wheels out its whole new level of hyper dominant Adrian yeah. Newey genius car. Yeah. And, you know, when we're back to uh, Mercedes is back to zero or Mercedes, you know, I mean, presumably, hopefully Mercedes doesn't start next season and is like, well, oh, now no. that we're two races in, we realize that we should have actually done more. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I mean, the the only thing that makes me feel comforted in these moments uh, were the, the multiple statements that came out of uh, Mercedes up and down from like Lewis on up to Toto, uh, where basically he and James Allison and Andrew Shovlin uh, were all like, yeah, the next six months have to be the greatest six months of our development history at Mercedes. So like Mm -hmm. they're not unaware of what they have in front of them. They are absolutely like eye on the prize. They know that Red Bull is going to show up, roll a car out of the garage. That's probably a second faster than everyone already. So like that's the reality they've been dealing with for the past two years. So I think we're in better shape with that. 
also the zero pod thing. Like they finally taken their heels out of yeah. the the holes that they've like used jackhammers to uh get their heels down dug into. And now it's like, oh, okay, I think we need to go with the concept that is clearly the fastest. That yeah. said, John, I mean, the only way I would not be mad is if Red Bull rolls out a zero pod or like a no pod concept next year and it's like a second faster. Then I would be like, I got to take my hat off to Adrian Newey yeah. and the Red Bull design team. Good job. Uh, if that if that if that happens, I uh, hands up. Okay, you got us. You got us. But yep. Uh, I also don't think that McLaren is going to take their boot off the neck of uh, of of Red Bull either. I think that they've yeah. synced up with them as far as development, and we saw this weekend. Even though the track wasn't great for McLaren, they still put in amazing efforts. The truth had to retire only because he came into contact with Esteban Ocon. That's yeah, the only reason he was retired rough. from the race. So. And that, yeah, that like broke my heart. I did stand up and yell no when I saw that he was retiring, which is again one of those weird things of like, oh, I don't. The reason I know I like Piastri and the reason I know I want to like be a fan of his is because I have the same reactions to when things go wrong for him as like I used to have with Hamilton. <laughs> so yep. I'm like, oh, I gotta pay attention to that. Um, yeah, so I think. McLaren could show up and keep the pressure on Mercedes hopefully is just going to stay in the pocket with this development. And maybe we'll see a different, like uh, we'll see a different suspension setup where they have uh, the, the pull rods in the back and the push rods in the front. Maybe they'll like really fall into lockstep with Red Bull. Um, They're putting their pride on the shelf. I think. Yeah, hopefully. And and I love, you know, what you're also hinting at, which is maybe, you know, at the same time that they close in, um, McLaren closes yeah. in as well. Yeah. And then Ferrari will Ferrari will somehow like accidentally fall backwards down the stairs and end yeah. up at the bottom, like, you know, getting a perfect uh gymnastics routine score mm-hmm. uh somehow. It'll yeah. it's possible. Uh, uh there's there's like this amazing it's it, it's definitely probably a Vine or maybe an Instagram reel that ended up on TikTok where there's this like skateboarder who's on like a yes. skateboard. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he does like yep. the, like he falls and then like perfectly like recovers. Uh, maybe that's what Ferrari will do. Um, but then uh, I just don't trust, I just don't trust it. Um, I don't trust that Ferrari will have their ducks in a row. Uh at all i i don't um they're the other ones who got hit by this uh this this devastating post-race action um shall we just dive into it yeah oh before that before we get into uh let's let's whet our appetite with disappointment um we had Lance Stroll retire from the sprint race on like the last lap because his brakes were yep. basically exploding. There was something from the sprint qualifying where he came in for a pit stop 
and they like put the wheel guns to the wheels and took them off and like plumes of brake dust came out. Yeah. Um, so it was like, Ooh, something's wrong with them. And then him and Alonzo both went out in the first qualifying session, which was yeah. the first time all year that Alonzo has gone out in the first qualifying. He can usually drag it into Q2, but he went out at like 17th or something. Like it was abysmal um, for the Aston Martins. Yeah. Looking, but, looking rough there. Um, Danny Rick, not yeah. having the best first weekend back. I mean, I feel for the guy he's, you know, obviously yeah. gone through the toughest of circumstances and this is his, what his third race this third season total yeah and his second one was at spa which also wasn't good yeah. for him Just so like it's like three months ago um ugh, yeah so yeah. he's gotta yeah he's gotta kind of i mean we'll we'll see how it goes for the rest of the season but mm-hmm. i could certainly see a world where danny rick isn't even with alfatari next season let alone the Red Bull yeah. senior team, which seems to be the the dream or the fantasy of of many, as we've discussed previously, yeah, on yeah. here, um, at potentially even uh, you know Christian Horner. That's his fantasy that Danny Rick is is right up there next to Max. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wh- uh, how did how do you think Checo did in you know staying his execution? Uh I think he stayed it. Until the middle of the winter break. Uh, I don't think he did well enough to really show up um, and like plead his case. Uh, He needs to have. Did you see this weekend being a a big impact for his story or his his saga of, you know, Maybe he's going to retire next weekend uh, or this upcoming weekend. Maybe couldn't get a beat he just on gets, it. you know, yeah. Executed no. uh, in the off season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, he was fine. He was fine. Um, but he still qualified like a half a second behind his teammate. So yeah. at least he made it into Q3. I mean, that's like a weird thing yep. to be like, at least he made it into Q3. Yeah. But like, yeah, he made it into Q3, and I think with like the DQs, he finished what fourth uh, or fifth. Yep, this he was fourth this race. Yep. So like his point spread is decent still. It's looking less and less likely that Hamilton's going to be able to overtake him for the second uh, spot in the drivers' championship. But I, I don't think basically when when Red Bull and the media started going like, oh, I don't think it really matters that much. If like Lewis overtakes him in the second spot, like some people were like, oh, I don't think it matters in like a positive way. And I was like, I don't know if that's, I think it's the exact opposite. I think like they've already made the choice and he's, they're just going to evaluate Danny Rick and see where Danny Rick is uh, over the winter break and have some serious conversations about where his career is going and how long the contract would be signed for. Like, I think it's a foregone conclusion. I don't think Sergio has a seat next year. I just don't. Yep. Uh, yeah. Which sucks. I'm, I'm pretty certain of that. Yeah. Yeah. Same with Logie. Same with Logie. Even though he scored one point, 
He scored a championship point. The only reason he scored it was because of the two DQs that happened. So, like, I also don't feel great about Logan Sarge because he qualified last. He finished last in the sprint, right? Um, And then finished. So, yeah. D- yeah. All right. So, I mean, it was technically his best race performance that we've seen from yep. him all season. And he, and he um, did finish. And I think he directly behind his teammate so finished directly behind his teammate so that's good um the you know the getting points due to two disqualifications like six hours after the race yeah and you know having that be two disqualifications the highlight yeah two disqualifications not one like that's that's the other thing too it's like okay one DQ, I'd be like, all right, well, you were like, you put yourself in the right position. But like, he was not in the position to score points at all, even if people got penalties. So it, ugh, it yeah. makes me feel a little bad that maybe the highlight of Logan Sargent's entire Formula One career was like getting a notification on his phone while on an airplane, you know, yeah. hours yeah. after the race. And that was like, that was the peak. And it was just like, Oh, by the way, two drivers have been disqualified. So you got tenth place, your first ever Formula One point. Yeah, um, yeah. you know. Uh, but <sighs> yeah, it's hard to hard to get. Yeah, when he's you know when the team and him are like celebrating first points in F one and whatnot. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's I don't know. It's a little weird. Yeah, with three races to go, and the only reason you got the point was because of two DQs of people far yeah. up the, the field. Like not even like, yep. Oh, Haas got a DQ. So you like slotted in or whatever. It was like, no, no, it was the top teams. Yeah. Got disqualified. For every, every, reason. every Why? driver was graded on a curve this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah truly. Yeah. All, All right. right. So let's, let's, let's uh, jump straight into the, uh, the disqualifications. So, uh, Lewis second place. I mean, an incredible result for yeah. Lewis. Um, yep. but, uh, it's not, not meant to be, nope. uh, he and Charles Leclerc both yep. disqualified for excessive wear on the, the wooden skid plate floor, mm-hmm. like, that is, yeah. as I understand, it is designed to be worn down. Yes. Yes. However, if it has been worn down too much, that is evidence that you are running your car too low. And do they do a measurement of how low the car is, or is it just solely through like, well, if your floor is smashing mm-hmm. the track – this often then you are you're now like going into this unsafe state yeah well there's like scrutineering like basically like not i don't know if they do like laser point scrutineering um but they do a little bit of like hey make sure the car is at the right ride height um but well, i mean then- in theory i guess the aerodynamics and the suspension and all the compression and whatnot the car is going the it's car is change ride yeah. height is going to be dynamic not just because it's going over bumps but because at speed it is being it pushed downward compresses yeah yeah it's the same reason they have the the little dots on like the rear wing um so that the cameras can see what those 
what the wings deflection looks like under aerodynamic load. So that's basically how they set up the measuring, mm. like when it's, when it's dynamic. Um, but for the floor, because like no cameras can like see that, um, they basically measure the epoxy resin around the titanium screws that go into this skid plate. So like they don't even necessarily measure the skid plate. They measure like how much degradation has happened around the seals of the screws that attach to the skid plate. So it's a very specific measurement. uh, And it's a very, it's for excellent reasons. The, this is a 30 year old rule. uh, And the rule was brought into place because we lost uh, Roland Ratzenberger and Ayrton Senna on the same weekend uh, during the ground effect era of cars. And it was uh, determined at least for Roland. um, It was determined that the reason his car lost control was because it was running like dangerously low to the ground. Uh, So Mm -hmm. there was, there was just no way of like turning in when he needed to turn in. And the same went with Senna. That's, uh, that's, yeah. that's kind of, there's still, we still don't know why Senna's car failed, but like looking at the way the other cars were set up, looking at the other accident, looking at the other fatality, it was determined that it was because of the ride height. So, they brought in these planks and they're like wood and like glass epoxy. It's like a, it's like a composite. It looks like wood, but it's not. Yep. Um, uh, and that's just to make sure that the cars don't endanger themselves. Cause these drivers will drive them on the limit no matter what. Uh, and it's to make sure that like an engineer doesn't accidentally over-engineer a car and kill their driver. So it's a good, yeah. I love the rule. I love the rule. It hasn't been violated in since I think like Schumacher got DQ'd way back in the day in like, I think er, the early 2000s, he may have been DQ'd for one race. Um, hmm. But that's the only other incident that I can think of or that I've seen mentioned uh, about violating the plank uh, rule. Okay. So, I mean, makes sense. Rules yeah. is rules, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. and, and I think you, you make a very fair argument for why, why this rule exists. Let me ask you, mm-hmm. is there any chance that Mercedes excellent performance this weekend, a notably yeah. increased caliber of performance, do you think any of that was due to them pushing the limits of how much floor wear they could get away with? I don't think so. Um, I, I don't think so. And that's from what I've seen from the, the analysts like uh, Craig Scarborough and like, and Sam Collins um, uh, and Pete Windsor have all kind of been like, yeah, it's not something an engineer would take into account. It's not, it's just not something that they could, it's not something that they would risk. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, by like setting the floor to like a dangerously close margin. Uh, it's just too risky because not only would it endanger the driver, but it literally the result is what we saw, which is like, Hey, if you get pinched for this, you're just automatically disqualified and there's no recourse. Like there's no, you can't argue your case. So I don't think that Mercedes did that intentionally. Um, also the other evaluations that I've seen has been like 
the track in Austin uh, is very bumpy. It's a very bumpy track. It's like the track is basically on like a sedimentary substrate. Like that's the track is built. Mm -hmm. So it like fluctuates and like bumps form and they're different from year to year because the earth is moving there too. So it's like, I mean, the earth is moving everywhere, but like the earth is moving a whole lot. Um, (laughs) I just want to put that out there. Uh, um, That it is, it's like a problem that they knew about when they built the track and all the teams know Mm -hmm. about going into the weekend. Um, So that was maybe an issue. Uh, And then also the curbs were an issue because the curbs there are like, they t- people tend to ride on the curbs pretty hard, especially through like the like pseudo maggots and Beckett um, uh, yeah. kind of slalom section. You have to yep. ride the curbs. Uh, and it was a sprint weekend. So the cars go from sprint qualifying into park for May, which right. is literally, you cannot make any changes to the car. You cannot look at the car. You can't like, other than putting it up on the jacks, and like changing some wing angles. That's interesting. I I hadn't even considered this, this being a sort of like wear item. Was it also just like, hey, it's a long punishing sprint weekend. So it's going to be more prone to getting worn down. And, you know, you need a little little extra epoxy on those Mm -hmm. screw, uh, you know, sleeves or or whatever next weekend. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. So this, there was... uh, uh, what you could have done, what these cars could have done is they could have started from the pit lane. So Mercedes and Ferrari, if they had any like worry about this, they could have just gone in, violated Park for May, talked to Joe Bauer and the FIA and been like, hey, look, we have to make sure our car is within regulations. And then Joe yeah. Bauer would be like, all right, well, you're starting from the pit because um, that's what Aston Martin did in Baku because there was a sprint weekend there and they were worried about the plank there. And I think that's where Lance Stroll started from the pit lane. So it was like, Mm -hmm. it's a thing that happens. Um, but it's a lot easier for Lance Stroll to start from the pit lane when he's going to start from like 10th, 11th, 12th or 14th versus Lewis. Who's on the second row and Charles who's starting from literally pole position. It's like, I'm not doing it. We're, we got to take the risk. Um, so that's, that's how we got here is basically Ferrari is more guilty than Mercedes. Uh, and I only say this because Mercedes brought a new floor. Like it was a new floor that they were working with. So they have more mm-hmm. of an excuse to be like, Hey, we don't know. We didn't know how, like we didn't know how good the suction was going to be on this new floor. Yeah. We didn't realize it was going to like wear the plank down and we didn't have, after the sprint qualifying and after the sprint race, normally we would have taken it apart and really gone through like and analyze, like analyze the hell out of what just happened in the race. But because of park for May rules, they couldn't do that. So it's yeah. Yeah. But still. And I mean, yeah. Uh, so wild, uh, surprising. Uh, I don't remember the last time that we saw a driver just full on DQ'd from a race yeah no for any kind of infringement um and it makes me weirdly thankful that hamilton didn't win the race 
Yes. If Hamilton had won his first Formula One race in effectively two years. Two years, yeah. And then was disqualified hours later. Like yeah. there would be like riots in the streets. It yeah. Would be that a would ultimate travesty. And that's where my like, you know, conspiracy around, you know, sky sports and whatnot, like laying the groundwork for this mm-hmm. starts to uh starts to come in. Um yeah, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Oof. It yeah, it did uh, but here's the thing, John, is like at no point in this weekend. There have been a couple of weekends that that I've been like, oh, this is too good to be true. This is too good to be true. At no point over the course of this weekend did I have that feeling. Like I was like, oh, oh, this is a pleasant surprise. I knew that this was like a big upgrade for Mercedes, and I knew they had a lot invested in it. I didn't know it was going to be like a we almost won the race uh, upgrade. I mean, this is yep. ha- Hamilton said it himself. He's like, this is the first upgrade I've actually felt in two years, which is like, yeah. what? You haven't been able to feel the difference <laughs> in an upgrade in two years, dude. That is bananas. It's unacceptable. Ugh. So uh, silver linings here. We got we, we really yes. do have silver yes. linings. Yes. Um, yep. Uh, oh. I, I don't love what we got to by the end of the, the day Sunday, but I do love how we got there. Right. That, that feels yep. this feet, this process feels like it's actually moving forward. Um, yeah, I don't know. All right. So we're, we're closing in on final four yep. races of the season. We are yep. days away from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Just days after that will be Brazil. Yeah. Yet another yeah. sprint weekend. Yep. Yep. My God. Ugh. Um, and then then it's Vegas, Abu yeah. Dhabi, and it's yeah. a wrap. Yeah. Um I I will say there were some things that like popped up uh with the sprint format uh one because ticket sales took like a pretty big hit this even though it was mm-hmm. 400,000 people there were 480,000 people last week uh, or last year yep. this weekend and it was a shorter weekend so it's like ooh that is like a force multiplier um so people were and people have been kind of talking about this too as like we need to make a change to the sprint format we need to make one there has to be some sort of something needs to happen um and one of the things that popped up was hey let's just do reverse grids let's do reverse grids for the sprint like let's let's yeah. put Logan Sargent on the front row and then have Max Verstappen be on the 10th row and have to make his way up by the end of the sprint. Maybe also yep. change the number of laps in the sprint and just do a half distance because this like weird nebulous, like uh, you basically get penalized if you take a pit stop in the sprint race, no matter what, like you have to run the whole thing on the same set of tires. So uh, I, I like yeah. this, and also so with with a, a a group of guys on on a text thread, we were all kind of moaning about 
the mm-hmm. sprint situation and whatnot. And I mean, I like the sprints. This one was lame, but a lot of yeah. the other ones have been awesome. Yeah. I love the idea of a reverse sprint. Yes. I also liked it when the sprint was for qualifying, uh, was basically your, your starting position for the race. But yeah, what could be interesting is you qualify for the race and the qualifying is the is for the race and the sprint and it's just the sprint is inverted it's just reverse grid yeah and you have and then that way there's no like chance of like sandbagging for sprint yeah. qualifying and you just have this super chaotic thing and you set it up where um you know maybe maybe first place is like an unusually large amount of points or, or something like that just to sweet an extra bonus. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the other things that were brought up about like how the format of the sprint was like, you could make it its own standalone event um, where uh, it like has like literal, like a cash prize um, where it would mm-hmm. be like, uh, Oh yeah. Like if you win the sprint, it's like an, a million dollar bonus that you get um, from like the FIA or whatever. Uh, so there was like that brought up and then also maybe the possibility of like, Hey, let's just, uh, let's get some new tires for the sprint and have like a very specific tire that no teams get any testing on. And it's just a tire that like, Mm. I think basically has like a, it will, there will be a cliff where like the tire is going to go away at a certain point in the sprint and no one's going to know when their pit window is and they just have to figure it out uh, and either go the full distance or risk having their tires like quite re- like, you know, literally like dissolve underneath them. Um, so there's that there, there, there are some things being proposed. I think after the sprint in Brazil, that will be the last time we see this sprint format. We're going to see an all yeah. new sprint format next year, uh, especially if they, continue to have six sprint races yeah. uh and have it be a quarter of how, the calendar how, how do i get how do i get invited to that brainstorming session Corey, i've mean, got so many sprint ideas yeah yeah i know you we, know yeah. mcdonald's lunch trays uh you know yep. under the wheels um yep, yep. uh you know, put, uh, putting putting like a uh like a like those like a those those two seater F one cars that like uh, Mario Andretti yep. like takes people out like just uh, like the top fan uh, or whoever has like the best tweet uh, for that driver that week like has to like sit in the back so they have like an added ballast um, or so, just any there yeah I'm, I'm imagining us like banging on double doors with like scrolls of like paper falling out from under our arms and sweatily. Yep shifting messenger bags across us uh, <laughs> across our midsections <laughs> uh getting crumbs out of each other's beards as we're about to go like okay we gotta all right oh, you're sweating a little bit Corey. here's a here here um yeah i would i would love to oh no one of the legs broke off the easel oh <laughs> oh geez yeah here just rest it on my back rest it on my back um yeah i i i want there to be something big changes that happen to the sprint. Uh, like I want, I want a weekend where it's nothing but sprints and it's just an array. Oh yeah. Silly, silly sprint concoctions yeah. just as like an expo or, or something. Uh, like yeah. no grand prix at all. Just like 
Oh, uh, you show up uh, media day. Actually, we're not doing media day. It's a sprint. Um, uh, the next day, it's like, yeah. okay, so sprint qualifying. And it's like, no, 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 no. We're just doing a sprint. No qualifying. Just everyone go. Your your version of like an air horn gets blown, like maybe yep. even at like two o'clock in the morning and everyone has to like firemen drill their way down to the pit lane and get the cars on yep. track quickly. Yeah. No lights. No lights. Uh, yeah. Just they have to run the sprint in the dark completely. Um, yep. Yeah. They have to wear, do, do like an eye patch. Um, uh, I like that eye patch. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, I think they should do one where they all have to compete, but in like fast and furious cars, you know? Ooh, yeah. And, uh, slam. And like, not like, yeah. Like, and not like, you know, like not like cool, like track cars, but like the ones that were made yeah. for the movies that are like held yeah. together with duct tape and are, are actually like awful, awful vehicles. Uh, you know, Yep, yep. The, the body are kits actually- just start like flying off on the second lap and and whatnot, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, the headlights are uh, LEDs. They're just like uh, those LED strings you can order off of Amazon. Um, yeah, there something's got to give. Something's going to give with these sprint races. Um, mm-hmm. It's been amazing that we've only had really one incident where Checo like binned his car and like really suffered during a regular Grand Prix. So it's incredible that that happened. Something's going to change. Things will change. Um, heartbreaking, heartbreaking to see Charles Leclerc go from <laughs> pole position to literally not even last place getting disqualified. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh. it's pretty God pretty rough it's It's like honestly it's nice to know that it happened to lewis and charles together so that they can like support each other yeah in this very difficult time oh yeah there's an instagram post where basically like lewis uh invited charles to be a collaborator and it's just them in the press conference looking like dejected as hell um Mm -hmm. like what i think one of them's like microphone is just like hanging down uh and the other one is like microphone like slightly away from the mouth looking away it's it's wonderful um yeah because if if it was just one or the other it would have been much harder to handle uh yeah my buddy cola sent me a text message that i didn't even read because i like as you know, I couldn't watch the race until like very late on Sunday night. Uh, and Cola sent me a text message and just the text around it. She'd like sent like a picture too, And it was just like, not a good weekend for our boys. And I was like, oh no, I know something went sideways and I've been feeling like way too excited about this. And I was like, oh, she's a Ferrari fan. Why would she be saying our boys? And then saw the race and was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was our yeah, our poor little baby yep. boys got their hearts broken. Yep, 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 yep. All right. Well, I'm excited for the race in Brazil. Very excited for that race. Um, uh, even though it is a sprint, can't wait to see that. Lewis always does well there. He won the sprint last time out and damn near won the race, except for Max decided to, you know, it doesn't matter if I take someone out because that other person at least they're not going to win the race everybody everybody remember that when max openly said i didn't really care if i took if i got a penalty as long as lewis didn't win the race i didn't care if i took him out 
intentionally mm-hmm. in an unsportsmanlike way. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, looking forward to redemption there. Uh, looking forward <laughs> to Checo's either redemption or retirement. Uh, oh, one last thing. During the trophy ceremony, people were like, oh my God, Max Verstappen was getting booed. Sure, maybe Max Verstappen was getting booed. But for those who are not super politically aware, the person who was handing that trophy to Max Verstappen is the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott. Now, this man has done horrible, horrible things and repeatedly Mm -hmm. does horrible, horrible things in the name of like Texas Christianity, uh, basically. Um, So they literally put like barbed wire, like floating barbed wire fences in the Rio Grande to stop border crossings, like ensnaring women and children in floating barbed wire flotillas as they tried to flee to get asylum. So like, that's who was handing the trophy to Max Verstappen. Meanwhile, one of the biggest contingencies of fans in that area are Mexican people or people with roots in Mexico. So like seeing Max Verstappen getting handed a trophy by the person that they like hate the most. I understand why there were a lot of boos. Like there were a lot of boos and for very good reason. Um, And it not necessarily, they weren't being directed at Verstappen, but Hey, if he caught a couple of stray boos, I'm fine with that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm not mad at it. Uh, uh, but so but just, much, so much to boo at. Just yeah, so much, so much to boo at. But also important to know why those boos were happening. There was like a lot of context around that specific moment. Um, so it wasn't Checo fans being mad at Max for winning. It was yeah. a bunch of people with Mexican heritage and like empathy towards the people who are trying to flee, like for political asylum like that that's that's the reason the booze happened um that's the a big reason why those booze happened maybe not the whole reason but a big reason so just wanted to put that out there uh because i saw that and heard people going like oh max getting booed and i was like hey these british announcers have no idea who is handing this trophy to max and why why all those checo fans are booing this specific interaction it's important, y'all. F1 doesn't get to divorce itself from politics. Uh, and having a notoriously hated political figure hand over a trophy to a notoriously hated driver on the grid is kind of like, well, what did, what did you expect? I, uh, yeah. So anyways, just wanted, to, just wanted to button all this with that little, That's, little bit of... It's beautiful. Yeah, uh, wonder. Um all right. Well, I'm, I am excited uh, for Mexico, but we do have to get to our ratings here, John. What do we think? Do we think that the, the stock went up, down, or plateaued this week? I'm going to say the stock went up because mm-hmm. we saw some potential Mercedes excitement, yeah. but also because we saw controversy with yes. the disqualifications. Um, Not that the disqualifications were unjust, but just that I think they're just a total shock to the system. And so to me, like, that's, hey, if if we're talking specifically just numbers, then yeah, 
the stock the stock goes up and uh, for sure will continue to do so as we head into Mexico. For sure. I'm in the same boat. I think the stock is is rising and had a little bit of a spike because of the disqualification of both of those drivers. Again, if it was just one DQ, I'd be like, uh, yeah, it'd get a little blip. But because it was two top tier, top name, very like media savvy and media darling and fan darlings, like that got that got some attention. Um, and I think we're all excited to see the redemption and by all of us, I mean, you and I are very excited to see the redemption of Mercedes <laughs> um, next weekend at a track that they're not great at, but like have been getting better at. So yep. I'm excited. Um, I still love this sport, even though it doesn't love me. And uh, I know that you you also love it, even though it's not loving loving you as much as, as it should. Uh, all right, John. Where can the folks find you out there in the world? Uh, you can always catch me via my home base of johnnymotion.com. Uh, also, uh, check out the latest episode of 20,000 Hertz. Uh, it's an incredible podcast about sound design. Mm-hmm. Um, a beautifully produced, like top tier, uh, real uh, a, a really beautifully done podcast. Uh, I appear on there as a special guest to talk about uh, fancy ways that sound is incorporated into the future of the automotive experience with uh, electric That's- vehicles and autonomous vehicles generating all kinds of noise. So really, really fun episode there. That's awesome. To check out. That's 20,000 hertz. That's great. That's a great pod. And John, you introduced me to that. And I'm so stoked that you're on it. Uh, That's amazing. Um, You can find me. uh, I am going to uh, be on the internet, uh, CoreyPWillis.com. And then also uh, Burn Corey Burn on the socials, the F1 files on Twitter and uh, Instagram and TikTok and all that stuff. Uh, I will be at the Pack Theater this Saturday at 9 p.m. Uh, doing a, a show there. Um, so it's a, a very silly show. It's like a panel show. It's like a game show. Uh, so I'll be there this Saturday at 9 p.m. Uh, you can grab tickets through the link in the description. Uh, all right. I think they're going to have to catch up with us the next time, John. Just like we're going to catch up with all of them mm-hmm. next time mm-hmm. 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 on the F1 Files. Wow. <laughs>